0: Uh, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast for the work week ending July 22nd. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about state lawmakers' refusal to give teachers raises, a continued fallout from Arkansas's trigger law that bans nearly all abortions, new revelations about a fatal Little Rock Police Department car chase, and who knows, maybe some more. I'm joined as usual by Max Brantley.
1: Good afternoon.
0: So we've, we've talked uh, in past episodes about uh, Governor Hutchinson's idea to give Arkansas teachers a substantial raise and state lawmakers coolness to the idea. And you've written extensively about the saga. Uh, there's been, since we last recorded, state lawmakers are seem to be feeling the heat. There's been a, a, pretty, a pretty significant campaign by teachers and by some some political communications group, the four AR people group in particular, to uh, to shame lawmakers into reconsidering um, Hutchinson's plan. And it all kind of came to head this week at an Arkansas Legislative Council meeting in a just really ridiculous
1: fashion. Pretty crazy, I mean, the Legislative Council well, first of all, they told the governor to go to hell, more or less, and uh, they're not going to do his plan, and they're not going to do a teacher pay raise, and they have many excuses, but it, it seems pretty clear that that, the, that the, the optics, as they say, were not good, and their arithmetic wasn't good. They're, they want to give a half-billion-dollar tax cut, two-thirds of which will go to rich people, and they don't want to give teachers anything, and they don't want to give low-income taxpayers anything. It just It was just hard to sell it any other way than that and so they came up with this cockamamie scheme to uh, take money they previously appropriated, the Education Department of Federal Emergency Rescue Act money uh, to d- distribute to, to school districts and take control of it and, and more or less dictate that it be paid in bonuses to teachers and, and regular employees. Uh, They didn't want to hear from Johnny Key, the education secretary, about what the rules are on spending of this money. And with good reason, as lawyer Tom Mars pointed out on a tweet today, on what the guidance on this spending is, is you can spend some money on teacher bonuses. But it's sort of supposed to be in recognition of extraordinary work because of COVID or shortages or, or reasons tied to the pandemic. Not just for a general bonus for anybody, whether there was a pandemic uh, effect or not, there are also some of this money's already committed districts have some other uses for it It's not entirely clear that this money will go to bonuses if ever they've got to come with their hat in hand to the legislature to ask for approval of it and file an application for it and so it's just and, and Hutchinson issued a pretty strong statement saying that he didn't think it was well, he didn't use the word legal, but he essentially said he didn't think it was legal for them to take money that had been appropriated for another purpose and by a parliamentary trick converted into something else. I don't know if there's a lawsuit in this or not, but the, the, the long and short of it is it looks like the legislature is determined to go through the tax cut and to use this as wind addressing for teachers. Teachers aren't placated, a one-time bonus. Uh, isn't the same thing as a built-in raise that lasts forever, but the tax cut will last forever for the rich people. And so that's just where we are. I think the most significant thing about this is yet another and a long series of illustrations of how weak the governor of Arkansas is. And people can say he's popular all they want, and that may be true with the average voter, but the legislature pretty much tells him the Jumping the lake all the time, uh, and he's a lame duck now, has six months left, and his ability to get much done, I think, is is pretty limited. And and this is an indication, too, just generally, of how powerful the legislature has become through some constitutional amendments that they put on the ballot that the voters didn't know what they'd do and improve. They've got control over executive agency rules. They've got control over virtually all types of even of discretionary sorts. They don't care what anybody else says, and, and the, the Supreme Court has become increasingly obedient to them, and pretty soon we're going to have, in my view, one branch government in Arkansas, and it's going to be these Neanderthal, extreme right-wing Republicans.
0: Well, this uh, practical effect of this, I mean, is a ton of money that these ESSER funds that that Uh, school districts got and there are a ton of school districts and they all have very varying needs so the idea that they're all going to come before the legislative council and go through and then legislators are going to sit there and
1: well they've all they've all got to be they're going to file with the education department and and some poor schlub from the education department is going to have to go down to the peer review committee and present these things and they're going to have to file these things about why they didn't ask for all the money they could have gotten and you know it's just it's a it's a circus that's all I mean, it's 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 a joke and I mean I guess if they pass out a little money people will be glad to get a check but it's uh, not good public policy making the most interesting thing about this too is is if and I hate to say this, but I mean, at this point, the the general thinking is, is that the Republicans will be elected the next governor. That'll be Sarah Sanders. To date, she hasn't uttered a single coherent sentence on a specific matter of state policy. Oh, she wants to pay teachers and cut taxes, but she, she hadn't addressed any specific to this debate. And how she's likely to get on with this really bullying legislature is, is an interesting question. I, if, You know, I... I, I, I I hate to look ahead to that, but that's something that arises out of this week's activities.
0: Uh, You've written a lot in recent weeks about the fallout from Arkansas's trigger law banning nearly all abortions. Uh, I mean, the obvious one, of course, is that that women can't receive uh, an abortion in Arkansas. Uh, But there are all sorts of other effects that you've been cataloging.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there, there, there is, uh, our exception is only for the life of the mother, not the health of the mother. And their expert testimony in a court in Louisiana and everywhere else from people who actually practice medicine rather than sit in the Arkansas legislature, that there are any number of dangerous things that can happen to a woman while pregnant that can cause severe and lasting damage, but not necessarily death. Or, or it takes a while before they're the, at the near-death point and action can be taken. And, and doc, doctors are on, in a real dilemma on exercising their best judgment on when help should be provided. And some hospitals in Texas are already denying some treatment for fear it will be found that they were helping a pregnancy. Uh, there are methods of treating some of these things that, that are abortive in nature. A, a mi- uncompleted miscarriage, natural miscarriage, for example, you administer a drug that causes essentially an abortion, the expulsion of, of the fetus. And if that fetus still has some kind of cardiac signal under Arkansas law, you can't do anything about it. The woman has to suffer. They're, they're just uh, any number of these medical complications that, that aren't considered allowed in our law. Even our exception for ectopic pregnancies creates problems because they're not always easy to detect. And again, the only way to treat them is abortion, and the only outcome for an untreated ectopic pregnancy is death of the woman. But there are some people in some states that even oppose treatment of ectopic pregnancies because there's still a heartbeat in this fetus that won't survive, that's been implanted somewhere, not in the womb. Our law, for example, doesn't have any definition about womb implantation, which raises questions about methods of contraception. We don't have any protection necessarily. In fact, we have protection for the religious nuts. If you go into a pharmacy and want to buy a rubber or birth control or or, or contraceptive or a plan B pill. And if somebody says, no, that's just against my religion. Our law protects the guy, the clerk from selling that stuff. And just today we found out that CVS pharmacy is now instructing its pharmacists in Arkansas. When, uh, when people come in with a prescription for drugs that can cause uh, miscarriages or abortions, they're used for treatment of lupus and arthritis and other things. That they're supposed to be sure that these prescriptions are for that purpose and not for an abortion. And they're urging healthcare providers to tell pharmacists what the purpose for these prescriptions are. It's an incredible invasion of medical privacy. It's uh, the horror stories are just beginning, and I. I, I we don't yet know what they'll be, but they're going to be terrible.
0: Uh, this week, we got new uh, revelations about a fatal Litterock Police Department car chase that, uh, that began in Litterock but ended in Celine County.
1: Yeah, this was uh, dug up by everybody's unfavored blogger, Russ Raycop, this sort of obsessive, compulsive guy who follows police and knows the F.O.I. law inside and out. And I guess he got tipped somewhere that there was a, a Little Rock police chase in March of 2021 of a, a 12-year-old who's taken taking the family car and was on a joyride with two friends, and a chase began. And an officer was, a, was ordered to stop the chase. They, there wasn't any reason to have a dangerous chase of a 12-year-old. But he gave chase anyway. Another officer joined in for a while, and, and this before was all over. Chase exceeded 90 miles an hour, maybe 100 miles an hour, and, and the driver crashed in a, on a road in Saline County. Well, this set in motion uh, administrative review, and, and one of the officers was found to have violated an order, and the, the paperwork doesn't indicate that he was going to get worse than a verbal counseling, but the mayor issued a statement this week after this all was disclosed that this chase and this involvement of the Rock Police had been kept secret for more than a year, that he was, basically sounds like he was allowed to resign short of being fired, which you kind of wonder why they get extended him that privilege if he'd done such a violation of department rules. Another guy was suspended for five days for, an improper attempt to block the car when it was stopped. But the big news was is that this happened and that there'd never been any news about it. Nobody knew, and it was all swept under the rug and kept quiet by the police. And the chief at that time was Keith, hum- Keith Humphrey, who was the mayor's hand man. And I suspect any more bad news about the police had always had a lot of headlines played into some of this. But now that it's out in the open, the mayor's vowed there's going to be a complete review of it and. They'll be totally transparent about what they find out, and they've been charged with, with finding out more about it. Uh, one, of the, one of the episodes that occurred during this was, was another bad episode with the, the department's civilian public relations guy, Mark Edwards, where he was quoted in the Democrat Gazette as saying, oh, Russ Raycott basically got some things wrong, and, and his report was misleading. Well, it was all based on public records provided by the police. He provided no specifics. He later said that the Democrat Gazette had misquoted him, but the Democrat Gazette hadn't retracted the statement. And given Mark Edwards' past record, which has included some controversy with reporters before, I think I tend to believe the Democrat Gazette. Well, all, all, and also, I got a, some new information on this case today from the Saline County Sheriff. Uh, which ended up investigating a deadly crash because it happened down there. There were 13 police officers from Little Rock on the scene that night, 13. And they had never given notice to Celine that they were in Celine County until after the accident. And uh, it's just, it, it's a mess. And it's just another black mark on the police and Steve Landers. The mayor's uh, opponent in the coming election, uh, who's using the police and crime as his his main campaign issue, instantly jumped on it as another instance of a lack of transparency by the city. And and I, I mean, I have to say, I think the, the, the mayor is hearing some of this and he sent a statement to me, I guess, Wednesday night responding to some of it, which I was frankly fairly shocked. We don't have the best relationship in the world. And I was glad. He issued a statement. And I hope he's right that there's a full and complete disclosure. I mean, there's still an awful lot of questions about what happened. And uh, it does seem to me lately the department is making a better effort to be open. I think uh, between Heath Elton and Wayne Buley, who were, I mean, Buley's the interim chief and Heath Elton's an assistant chief. And. They 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 take phone calls from people, for example, something Keith Humphrey never did, and they're providing information such as they say they're able. So anyway, I mean they're, I mean Squeaky Wheels do get grease. It's like the teachers complaining. It's like press complaining, and and some unfavorable headlines. Sometimes people react, and that's good.
0: Uh, the final January sixth hearing of the summer, or at least until September. I don't. I guess that. Potentially still summer. I don't know if that's fall yet. Uh, happened last night, and uh, Arkansas Judd Deere made another appearance.
1: Yeah, he was. Uh, he's a, a Republican operative who got hired into the White House when Sarah Sanders was up there. They were big pals, and he remained as a deputy press secretary to the bitter end. And he, they played clips of him uh, giving testimony to investigators. He didn't testify live. But he pretty, it was, I don't know if you've seen the film. I can't adequately describe his body language. He wasn't happy to be there. He was very calm and quiet. He wasn't like some of the Trump aides who said, I was, it was unbelievable. It was terrible. We had to do something. I quit because of it. But he said in very measured tones and very quiet, non-dramatic words that, Yes, he he thought that Trump people were were making bad things happen at the Capitol, and that he had suggested to Kaylee McEnany that they should get Trump to issue a statement about people going home. And of course, that never happened, or at least not until all the damage had been done. And so, it's just kind of interesting to me because I I still think he's going to end up back here with Sarah Sanders and in, in her new role, but maybe not. But anyway, he got a he got a little exposure. He was not a as high profile as some of the ones they produced. For example, the two who testified in person last night about they were so horrified by what happened, they resigned from the White House. I mean, it it was an amazing show. I mean, I, I, I don't see how anybody who's rational, anybody, could say that the riot wasn't created with intent by Trump. And that he did nothing to stop it. He even continued to encourage it. And he even today continues to try and sell a lie about the election. It's tearing our country apart. The the only thing worse than Trump, I guess, is the significant number of people who believe anything he says.
0: Yeah, it's depressing.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you got this week?
1: Oh, just escape business. I'm reading an old book by Alan First uh, mission to Paris. It's kind of a kind of a spy mystery thing about a movie actor in Paris right at the outbreak of World War II. It's pretty good. And I'm sort of watching a series called Blackbirds on Apple TV. Uh-huh. It's a Dennis Lehane production, and I've only seen about three of them. I think it's pretty good about a guy who's a drug dealer who gets sentence to prison, and then they move him into a, a prison with a deal where they'll cut a sentence short if they can get a serial killer to tell him where he buried a body that's central to proving a serial killer case against this guy. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's not, I mean, I, I kind of like it, it's not bad.
0: Have you watched The Bear?
1: Have we talked about that here? No, what is The Bear about?
0: I, I think that you would like it, it's on Hulu it's uh it's only eight episodes it's about 30 or 40 minutes it's about a uh, a young chef who's worked in some of the top restaurants in the country and you know who has been recognized as one of the best up-and-coming chefs whose brother dies and so the chef comes home to run his chicago Uh, restaurant that's been in the family for a long time where they make uh like hot beef subs and other things and the restaurant is a mess and so this chef comes in and and tries to fix it it's really good it's really stressful because they the kitchen is there's a lot of yelling and fast chopping and there have been several is
1: is this this is real
0: no no, it's a, it's, a,
1: no, it's, it's a, yeah,
0: it's a drama. Oh,
1: okay. a comedy, okay. comedy okay. drama. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: Sounds good. Yeah. I, I think you dig it. And, and the food, the food shots are pretty amazing. It makes you very hungry, but we watched it. We've watched it, you know, most of our TV time comes sort of at the end of the night and lead up to bed. And we've had to turn it off several times because it's just too intense. Before you're going to sleep
1: oh that sounds good well so does he is he making old school stuff like the. Uh, yep famous yeah Ital- italian be- the italian beef sandwich that's fame famous in chicago
0: yep yeah it's all all kind of classic stuff and and they they sort of chef up some things later on but no it's it's pretty amazing Okay, oh,
1: yeah i gotta i gotta check that out so that sounds great
0: well i'll endorse that uh, we didn't do a podcast last week because I was at the beach. Uh, it was a successful beach trip by my lights uh, because I got a lot of reading done. I'm, I'm pale, so I, I can't be at the beach as much as the rest of my crew. Uh, so I got some, some sea breeze and reading, and I, I managed to read three books, all of which I will quickly recommend. Uh, one was an early Colson Whitehead book called Sag Harbor, that uh, is, is based on his childhood, uh, kind of teenage years growing up, uh, going to Sag Harbor and uh, it's kind of coming of age, very funny, sharply observed, lots of good 80s stuff. Um, Joshua Ferris's latest, A Calling for Charlie Barnes, which is about a, a, sh- a striver at, at the end of his life who's facing, uh, facing terminal illness Sort of reflecting back on, um, you know, all all of his schemes and businesses and marriages and relationships and and where they they went wrong, with some some kind of formal inventiveness, and then uh, I think that you would like that one. But also, I really think you'd like this book by Kevin Barry called uh, A Night Boat to Tangier. He got a lot of acclaim several years ago. He's an an Irish writer, and this book is about these two, kind of middle aged aging uh, Irish uh, criminals who are in a Spanish port waiting from a uh, w- waiting for a boat from Morocco to come in, and waxing philosophical and kind of reflecting on their life. And there's lots of kind of flashbacks, but it, it's. You know, it's kind of noirish. There's obviously the criminal element, but the writing is just super beautiful, and all the Irish slang is fun. Well, sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, try to stay cool and, and healthy, and we'll be back.
1: See you around.